Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Kids for Cash is a riveting look behind a notorious judicial scandal that rocked the nation. Beyond the millions paid and the high-stakes corruption, Kids for Cash cash exposes a shocking American secret. In the wake of the shootings at Columbine, Small Town, uh, Small Town celebrates a charismatic judge who is hell-bent on keeping kids in line until one parent dares to question the motives behind his brand of justice. This is a terrific documentary, and I mean that in every sense of the word. It's informative, it's provocative, it's thought-provoking, it is uh, tragic, it is a lot of things, and Kids for Cash is just a must-see if you care about justice and kids and where this country is going in our judicial system. And we are honored to be joined today by the one of the producers, uh, the producer of the film Kids for Cash, uh, Lauren Timmons. Lauren, welcome to Film School. Hey, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. And again, I mean, this film brings up so many different issues in so many different uh, informative ways uh, that it is kind of hard to know where to start (laughs) with it. Just uh, set the stage. Uh, This is Lucerne County in Pennsylvania. And tell us, first let's start with a a conversation about Mark Civarella, the... uh, the, the judge at the center of this scandal, or start wherever you want, but uh, take us, start us with the story itself. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, basically, uh, my, um, myself and my producing partner, who is also the, the film's director, Robert May, you know, we've, we work out of New York, uh, but he actually lives in Luzerne County in this little community with his family um, out in Pennsylvania. And uh, we were actually, we were in Pennsylvania researching a fiction film. We were developing uh, something, you know, sort of about greed and corruption and uh, actually dealing with their sort of coal mining history. Mm-hmm. And uh, while, while we were out there in 2009, we started, <laughs> the, the scandal broke. And suddenly, you know, there were all these news stories about this judge who, you know, was being accused of taking millions of dollars for sending children to a private for-profit juvenile detention facility. And you know, it's just, it's hard to believe, you know, he was this guy and, and Robert, uh, the director did not know him personally, mm-hmm. but he had heard of him and he probably had voted for him. You know, he was a celebrated judge. He was on his second tenure term. You know, the, the community had felt, you know, he was, you know, this upstanding guy, he was winning awards. He was a father of three. Um, you know, no, nobody had, you had any idea that anything was wrong. And, you know, then suddenly, you know, the FBI has stepped in and there's this, plea deal and, you know, these horrific allegations and they starting to hear, you know, children and their families start speaking out and talking about literally getting, you know, ripped from their families, from their schools, their communities, locked up for doing things like graffitiing a stop sign, for, you know, flicking off a police officer, for getting into, you know, a very minor fight in school, things like this. They were literally, you know, sucked into the system and this judge was locking them away in huge, huge numbers. You know, it was over... 3,000 children, you know, over the, the years he, he had been taking this money. Lauren, let, let, yes. I want that to sink in. <laughs> this is a juvenile court in Pennsylvania, rural rural area, not known for yeah. his, uh, with a high crime rate. He put away 3,000 children into a criminal detention center. 
3,000. More, more than that, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was, uh, those were actually only over the years when he was actually, you know, had taken the money. Um, and he was sending these children away for very, very minor things. One of the boys we talked to in the film, he literally was in possession of a motorized scooter that his parents had bought right. for him. Yeah. And it turned out the scooter was stolen. The police came to his house. There was a police report. Um, and he was sent before this judge, and the judge locked him up, literally sent him away. Unbelievable. And then, yeah, there's, yeah. A, and then there's another uh, young girl who, as, as a joke, as what kids do, they put to, in this case, she put together a Facebook, MySpace, pardon me, MySpace yeah. page in which they made fun of an assistant principal and even said at the bottom of the page, this is a joke, right? I mean, they said this is for fun. Absolutely, yeah. It was, you know, completely satirical. You know, just she was 14 years old. You know, she and her friends thought, oh, wouldn't this be funny to create a MySpace page, you know, making fun of our vice principal. And, you know, her comments, you know, what she created on the page were literally, you know, very benign. Like her hobbies were, you know, looking at pictures of Johnny Depp and his tidy whities You know, it was, mm-hmm. you know, just literally silly kid stuff that, you know, everybody does. And, you know, she she was actually she was the one when she was sent away. You know, her mother you know, started to you know to fight back to look for help, and you know, ultimately that you know helped you know yeah. call attention to what was happening here. This is now okay. So uh, you and Robert May. Uh, by the way, we're speaking with Laura Timmin, Lauren Timmons, the uh, producer, yes. as well as uh, part of the creative team that put together this wonderful, amazing documentary, Kids for Cash, which will, by the way, be opening today. It's at the Lemley NoHo Seven up in North Hollywood. Uh, I, that's the only one I know of in the Los Angeles area where it's going to be playing. But seek it out; it is well worth it because one of the things this is uh, uh, one of these situations where this could have been just a, a you know a screaming sensationalized version of what happened. But with the strength of this film is it is very objective in the way it approaches these people, lets them tell their story, including. Judge Mark uh, Schifarella, and as well as Michael mm-hmm. Conahan, is that correct? Yeah. I'm saying, uh, That's right. yeah, who uh, another judge who is part of this financial scheme, uh, really kind of it seems from the film more of a mastermind than was Mark uh, Schifarella, but nonetheless, uh, the the film is is it allows you as a viewer the opportunity to hear the different sides of this case. And 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 make your own assessments and judgments, but um, to, okay. So we again, all of this is happening in the context of not long after Columbine. At least that seems to have fueled a lot of this kind of hysteria about the capability of kids for violent behavior. Would that be fair to say? Exactly. That was you know one of the things we learned. You know when we sort of set out to make the film, and you know at first there was you know debate. You know. <laughs> between us, and, you know, we thought, well, you know, it's getting a lot of news coverage. Um, You know, do we really, you know, want to commit the next, you know, what ultimately became five years of our lives, you know, telling telling this story? And, uh, you know, we we really felt strongly, as you said, that for us to tell it, for us to make, you know, theatrical sort of, you know, feature, you know, fiction film, or nonfiction, but, you know, we, we wanted to hear from both sides. We felt if we couldn't get the judges, if they wouldn't talk to us, it it just wasn't enough. We we wanted to really dig deep and sort of get to the bottom of it, find out, you know, what, you know, seemingly seems like the crux of evil, you know, a man 
taking millions of dollars for locking children away. You know, who who is that? How does that happen? And yeah. um, so, so we wanted to understand that, and, and we, you know, started asking questions and, you know, ultimately, you know, got, got to the judges and, you know, started to learn about the juvenile justice system because we didn't know anything about it. You know, we, we were not activists. We were not sitting out to make a film about the justice system. We were following the stories of these characters, you know, these people in the small town and what happened. And, you know, there was a trial going on and there were twists and turns and, you know, it's, you know, sort of this thrilling, you know, just really interesting story. Um, yes. However, what we found out um, was that actually, um, yes, following Columbine, there was um, this huge, huge upturn in uh, school-based arrest. And this was not just in this little community. This was absolutely, you know, everywhere across the country. Yeah. And, so what happened was juvenile crime had actually been going down for two years before Columbine, and it continued to go down. There, you know, were less and less, you know, children actually committing crimes. However, following Columbine, the schools, the communities, the police, the judges, everybody was, you know, just so freaked out that there became this hysteria. And in Luzerne County, as well as across the country, there was this concept of zero tolerance, you know, mm-hmm. particularly for a crime committed in school. However, you know, these crimes can be as simple as, you know, somebody bringing medication, you know, accidentally to school with them, you know, something like, you know, girls pulling hair, you know, things things that seem ridiculous to literally send children into the juvenile justice system to take them out of school to lock them up. But this is what started happening. And as we started to do the research, you know, we discovered that, yes, you know, this, this judge, and, you know, he was ultimately convicted, you know, had taken huge amounts of money from this, you know, particular juvenile justice facility. However, the phenomenon of children getting sent into the system for really, really minor offenses in huge numbers was actually happening and is still happening across the country. Tell, tell you, there's statistics in the film. How many kids are arrested every year in this country now? Oh, my gosh, what is it? It's like 2 million? Yeah, it's 2.3 two, uh, million, yeah, I think. 2.3 million, yes. million children are arrested. Children. I mean, we're not. And and plus, there there are so I I just don't want to launch into a tirade here. But at the same time, there are so many aspects to this. First of all, this move to try juveniles as adults. That's been a thing that's been around for a while now. He campaigned on that. That was one of his. Yeah. Campaign. Yeah. Yeah, You have a campaign ad uh, from his uh, early first campaign in, in the film. And and there's that. There, and this is really the other kind of the buried the lead in in some ways in the film, and that is privatization of 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 our uh, uh, prison system. Now, really, this became yeah. you know the the forbidden fruit that these guys bit into the two judges was, and they and the, throughout the film they keeps I don't want to give too much away, but their sort of rationalization that was going on is just stunning. But we are privatizing prisons. Giving an a, a a profit motive to keep people in prison, which is insane. Okay, yeah. and that's part of this. And Absolutely, th- you know, and, and as you said, you know, the two point three million you know children are arrested every year, and of that, ninety five percent of those kids who you know are getting sent into the system, it's for a nonviolent crime. Yeah. It's literally you know children who have basically no business getting sucked up, and and. As we saw with, we, we follow, you know, a number of kids and their families who you know, were sentenced by Chivarella, got stuck in the system. And, you know, the suffering, I mean, you know, there, there's, you know, with a sense that Chivarella claims and, you know, that all these 
proponents of zero tolerance, you know, that this is going to help kids, that, you know, this is getting them the treatment they need, this is going to scare them straight, whatever it is. Um, and we just, we did not see that at all. The kids we talked to suffer from anxiety and depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, so one of them, literally one of the boys, you know, we follow claims he smoked pot for the first time in placement. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's... <laughs> Yeah. It's horrifying. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Okay, we again, another part of this. By the way, we're speaking with uh, Lauren Timmons, uh, the producer, along with Robert uh, Mayer, the director, are uh, responsible for this great documentary called Kids for Cash. It's in theaters uh, starting uh, in Southern California uh, today, March uh, 7th. Uh, and you can go to uh, kidsforcashthemovie.com to find out more, and I'm certain there'll be more about screenings there as well. But, Absolutely. But there is just, again, I mean, uh, I you know, there's a combination, there's a whole bunch of documentaries that have come out in the last couple of years. And in total, they paint a very, very dark picture of the judicial system in this country. If you look at Hot Coffee, you look at Gideon's Army, you look at The Place yeah. I Live In, there are... There and th- this is not an isolated incident. This is systemic problems with the with the judicial system. Systemic. These are not isolated. I mean, I really think I'm and I'm, I'm impassioned about this because uh, I have also in my private life been a part of uh, judicial reform uh, efforts and to yeah. see to see this up close and see the damage that's doing. Two point three million kids are arrested that will have a dramatic impact on their lives and their ability to go to college to have a life. Uh, the the, the incarceration yeah. rates in this country. California incarcerates people at the highest levels of any place on the planet. America is right up there with it in terms of incarceration rates and criminal populations. It is nuts, and this is this is really the the, the entry point. This is in some ways the starter kit for how we have gotten so out of control. Is this juvenile detention? Uh, this juvenile court system. Absolutely. You know, they call it the school-to-prison pipeline, and, you know, you literally see children who just, it baffles you, you know, why they should get pulled into the system at all, you know, unless there's some profit, unless there's some sinister motive, or, you know, just this hysteria, this fear, you know, you know, need to control, but they do, they get sucked in, and then they can't get out. And they can't get they out. literally get stuck in the juvenile system. You know, many of them, you know, one of even the boys we followed, you know, ended up in the, actually two of them, ended up in the adult system as well. Um, and you know, I, it, it's just it's recurring. You know, they just try as they can. They can't get out. That's a, what, what of, what of, on, on the, some of the, one of the documents, didn't it say indefinite parole, indefinite probation? For absolutely. Them? And this is, this is something that happens across the country. It was not just Luzerne County. In the juvenile justice system, there's this concept of indefinite probation. And basically, you as a kid can get kept on probation until you are 21. And this is what happened to our kids. You know, they, they got in trouble when they were 12, 13, and they got sent away. They, you know, would finally get out because there isn't, there aren't set terms. You're basically in there until the judge decides, okay, I'm going to, you know, let you go now. You're, you're reformed. So they get out, but they're on probation. There are literally probation officers in their schools. Yes. They have to go see a probate. You know, the whole concept of, you know, keeping this, you know, private and protect, you know, it's literally in their school. They have to go see their PO at their school. And then, you know, if anything happens, like when boy says, you know, he jumped over, you know, a lunch table. table, he's messing yeah. around in the, you know, school cafeteria, he gets sent, you know, not to the assistant principal, he gets sent to his parole officer and the guy says, you know, I'm going to lock you back up. God. 
I honestly, again, and you know, you don't want to, I don't want to sound conspiratorial. I don't want to get crazy here, yeah. but there are a lot of private prisons being built still. There's an industry now that's growing up around keeping people in prison as a profit motive. And I just, uh, that's that's only one small part of this. I don't mean to lay it at the door of that, you know, only. But it's yeah. a system that is, it's out there. If you get pulled into it, good luck getting out. It is just, yeah. uh, it is frightening. This film, and by the way, let's let's end on somewhat of a happy <laughs> note here. There are some heroes here. Now, Terry Morgan, the, the, the Times reporter, the Times leader reporter who, who, who looked into this, there's the mothers who pursued this. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. The juvenile law center in, in Philadelphia, yeah. you know, who was, you know, just literally fight for kids. This is, you know, what they do. These incredible people have literally, you know, dedicated their lives to. Right. And, you know, otherwise, who knows if it would have ever come to light. I mean, they, they were the ones who actually, you know, really started investigating heavily after Hillary was the girl who had created the MySpace page after they got connected to her. And, yeah. you know, it turned out none of these kids were getting represented by attorneys. And that's there were another, all these, yeah. you know, civil rights violations. And, yeah, you know, that was just That's another the thing. These kids didn't yeah. have any representation. They didn't even have, if they signed a document saying they wanted it, the judge was going to come harder, to come down on them harder. I mean, it, the Juvenile Law Center, yeah, they, obviously there are organizations out there that are trying. This is a tidal wave of people in this system that they're trying to help. Uh, it is it, it is a really wake up people. <laughs> I mean, really, truly, uh, there is so many different factors that are weighing down our judicial system in in a very very troubling way. Um, yeah, it, it was shocking for us. We you know we really did go into the film knowing so little, and you know it it was life changing for everyone on our crew. I mean, nobody could hear what we heard and you know not be forever affected. It's it's. Stunning, yeah, you know, it really is. And Lauren, and Lauren, it does beg the question, you know, Judge Shefarella uh, uh, and and Conahan are yes. just two judges. It's hard to imagine that this it's not been tempting for a lot of other judges around the country. I don't, I don't know, I don't have evidence, but it's hard to believe they're the only two who got caught up in this kind of a thing. Yeah, no, I mean, there's certainly there, you know, seems to be corruption everywhere, and. You know, even when it's not, you know, at the level of, you know, millions and millions of dollars of kickbacks, there is this concept of, you know, the tough judge who is, yeah. you know, scaring kids straight, is sending them away, is sucking them into the system for whatever motive. Yeah. And it's not, it's hurting our children, you know, it's not helping, it's, you know, hurting the whole system. And, you know, it's very, very, you know, it needs to get out. Nobody knows this, you know, unless you've been in the juvenile justice system or the justice system. You know, for the most part, you know, the rest of America has no idea. No. That's and, 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 and sadly, even if they do know, some people don't care. They deserve it. They, you know, whatever this mentality yes, is. It, exactly. You know, it's, yeah. it's frightening. And, and also, just to end, the United States is one of only three countries in the world that has not signed the U.N. Charter on the rights of children. And that is South Sudan. Somalia, I believe, and the United yep, States of America. You know why? That's because great company. <laughs> that's that's weird company. You know why? Because it has to do with children's soldiers, and we in this country want to have the ability to draft seventeen-year-olds. That's the reason we have not signed that treaty. So it is scary, scary stuff. Um, all right, well, I can't thank you enough for the documentary, first of all, Lauren Timmons, but for coming on Film School to talk about it. This is a really important thing. This is a window into a world we need to know more about. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having us. You know, we are, we're trying, you know, we care passionately about the issue now. And, yeah. you know, the only way to, you know, create change is to get people to see it. So we, you know, we're trying to spread the word and, you know, okay. we can get out there and see it. It would mean a great deal. Well, yeah, and it's, again, the NoHo uh, 7 Up, Lemley NoHo 7 Up in North Hollywood, terrific uh, theater complex, great place to see a movie. The film, is, I mean, the website is kidsforcashthemovie.com. You can go there and find out more. Uh, and uh, hopefully it's available soon on PO, uh, on uh, VOD and other yeah, platforms. Yeah. Right, when, all that is in the works as well. It yeah. is all in the works. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, well, you and Robert uh, continue to do the great work. Uh, we didn't even get to your film background. You have a terrific background <laughs> as well. Uh, and uh, But w- thank you so much for being here on Film School today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Hey, thank you. It's our pleasure. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.